Welcome to Managing Safety, brought to you by the Florida Aviation Network, an effort of the National Aviation Safety Foundation and a coalition of local, regional, and national aviation organizations and agencies. This talk show addresses strategies for thinking in today's complex aviation world. Now, here's Lori Bradner, President of Inspiring Educational Systems Incorporated and Director of School Operations for Tailwheels, etc. from Lakeland, Florida, who is today's host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Florida Aviation Network. My name is Lori Bradner. I am your hostess this morning. We are broadcasting live and in the clear from the 48th annual Sun and Fun in our remote location at the Central Florida Aerospace Academy, located right on the grounds of Sun and Fun. And we are so excited to be here today. And my next guest, I am absolutely humbled, absolutely amazed, Sean Knickerbocker, thank you for being here. Thanks. Holy moly, we appreciate you. And you are with the Soaring Society of America, correct? And you have, but your story, that's, that's only this much oh. of it. This is only this much of it. So, Sean, tell us a little bit. I always like to start with, your, your background is phenomenal, but where did your love for aviation, where, where, did you, where did the bug bite you? How did you get into aviation? Well, that's a hard question to answer, but I guess February 1st, 1953, when I was born. I love it. <laughs> I love it. No, I, uh, I grew up in Miami. Okay. And uh, I lived in Miami Springs, and right next to Miami Springs was Miami International Airport. Yeah. And uh, through growing up, everybody that lived next door around worked for National, Pan American, Eastern Airlines, okay. all these great places, uh, these airlines, that is. And uh, I just started to enjoy aviation, building models and everything, and that's what I wanted to be as a pilot. Now, I understand you had, um, um, you had a first amazing flight. Oh. Okay, so would you, because right now, so many people know you. You are an icon oh. here at, you're, you're an icon at all of the air shows. People know your name. They, they, when you say Sean Knickerbocker, people know who we're talking about. Oh. So, and that's a good thing, by the way. So, but they may not know this story. So, will you, do you care to tell us, I believe that it involved drawing straws? Yeah, was, was, it, it, it actually was. Uh, so I was a Cub Scout, and eight years old or so, and uh, uh, one of our next-door neighbors worked for Eastern Airlines, and we had an opportunity to go ride in a Boeing 247D. That was a very uh, in the mid-30s aircraft that United purchased okay. from Boeing as one of the first uh, airliners, usually. So uh, we went out to the northwest corner of Miami International Airport called Corrosion Corner, and the airplane was there, and uh, eight Cub Scouts, and our pilot was Dick Murrow, chief pilot for Eastern Airlines back then, and Odford Godfrey. Uh, he was an honorary pilot for Eastern Airlines. He was a, bay, a radio talk show host yes. and, and things of that nature, and uh, Miami Beach, and then Leesburg, Virginia, because Leesburg, the Leesburg Airport is named Odford Godfrey International. Right. So... Uh, we had eight Cub Scouts, and we all drew straws. And whoever got the shortest or the longest, I can't remember, uh, got, was able to ride in the front seat in Dick Murrow's lap on takeoff. Now, 
Today, that was very taboo. Right, uh, right. That's not right. going to okay, happen. Okay, so this was just a few yeah. years ago. We know. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So, so uh, that was it, and that really put the icing on the cake, as they say, is I really want to be a pilot. That is awesome. Take us through quickly. Can you walk us through quickly a timeline and tell us a little bit about your your experience with aviation, because I know it's extensive, and then where you are today with oh. the Soaring Society. Oh. So we need well, about two hours, right? Uh, well, I'll try to do that as quickly as I can. <laughs> well, I, 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 uh, I soloed at 14, soloed gliders at 14. Uh, Mary Gaffney soloed me out of Miami, or aerobatic pilot. And then uh, from there, I off and on playing with, uh, uh, I was a falconer too, and playing with hawks and falcons and stuff like that when I was growing up. And then aviation came in, and aviation went away. And then I'm trying to go to school and right. Boy Scouts, and then got a Cub Scouts, then a Boy Scouts. And then everything in between, and I was the worst student there is. You know, and there, you know. Sean knows. Yeah, worst student. Uh, I got too many things, airplanes on my mind and okay. birds. <laughs> So then uh, 16, soloed an airplane, and then back and forth, and then finally got my ratings. And, and uh, at uh, 17, uh, my aunt was one trip secretary for Pan American over on 36th Street. So uh, she was also Sal Martinez. Is, I, I can't remember the other man. He was responsible for South American operations. So, so I had one day I had an opportunity to meet Juan Tripp, and that was something. Right. And... And then that was it. How and old then, were you? Uh, 16 or 17. And then uh, when I turned 18, uh, my first QB meeting, I'm a QB, but okay. my first QB meeting was 18 years old at the Pan American hangar in Miami, in, on, at Miami International Airport. I was Juan Tripp's guest. He was a well-known QB. Yes. And well-known everything else. <laughs> so uh, after the meeting, uh, we talked, and, uh, and then a day or two later, he called me, and he offered me, he said, basically, if you want to be a Pan-American pilot, you call me. That was it. And then I missed my calling. So. Okay. Anyway, life goes on. So I went to college, played some football, and, uh, and then <laughs> in college, it was... Uh, I don't know, I guess the, uh, uh, the time period has elapsed for any prosecution, but I used to smuggle Coors beer and a Cherokee 6 to my college, uh, uh, 100 cases at a time, and was making quite a bit of money. Okay, can that's, we, can we you know, do that? That's, that's don't illegal. Don't do this at home. But I, okay. way before smoking, a bandit <laughs> okay. ever came up. Okay, good. So college, eight years of college, no degree, okay. you know, decided to... Uh, Maybe go in the military and looked at that. Took the Avroc program right. uh, for the Navy. Yes. Qualified for F-14s, but I had to graduate from college. I never graduated from college, so, uh, all right. Well, how about being a warrant officer? Fly helicopters, and that's what I went into. Went into the Army, became a warrant officer. Uh, got out and uh, got a, uh, after three years active duty, got a Department of Army civilian job in Houston, Texas, flying uh flying helicopters and airplanes for the Reserve Center. And then uh, a year later, basically got on with U.S. Customs. And since I was a former drug... and security. Yeah, well, no, this was the original U.S. Customs. Okay. On the, the U.S. Department of Treasury, U.S. Customs Service. Yeah, okay, okay. So since I was had some experience in smuggling stuff, like Coors Beers, uh, I think <laughs> I, was, I was just about set perfectly for... Uh, <laughs> 
to chase drug smugglers. <laughs> so uh, did that and and uh, had some great great chases. Uh, went to Canada, went to trial, uh, dealt with the Pablo Escobar bunch. Uh, and I almost got killed in a trial in Canada in which uh, we captured Pablo Escobar's cousin and they set a hit team up and it goes on and on and on. And, and then uh, one of my highlights in my career was uh, in the early 90s, I took a Black Hawk helicopter up to up, uh, New York, New York City, okay. uh, to fly to Otisville, the federal penitentiary just north of the city. Land in the yard, land in the uh, prison yard with the Black Hawk and uh, pick up Sheik Rockman. Sheik Rockman was the original World Trade Center bomber that yes, attempted it. Well, I know the name. Well, we landed, that's Santa Claus, the blind Sheik, they called him. So we landed in the yard, and we were working with the U.S. Marshals, uh, their ERT team, emergency response team, for transporting him from Otisville to the Wall Street helipad so we can do his arraignment hearing. That was the first one. Then the second one, we had to go to Attica and pick up uh, Sheik Nosehair. That's what his name was, Nosehair. And he was one of the, uh, uh, you know, co-conspirators, as they say. So we're in the yard there, and we got the marshals there, and he comes out, and we're briefing him on the helicopter, and the cell phone rings, and the cell phone's like these big block cell phones, you know. Right. And uh, one of the guys, uh, the Tommy Lee Jones boss, you know, like you see, uh, he's talking to him, and uh, all of a sudden he said, well, stand by. And he's sitting there, and I said, what are you waiting for? And he says, Janet Reno's going to be talking to me. I said, Janet Reno, why? why? So they talk a little while about make sure he had all his artifacts, and, you know, uh, we won't get in political correctness, right. but, you know, uh, I was a Boy Scout, so you know my, my philosophy on right. that. Eagle Scout, that is. And awesome. then so, so uh, and then the next person on the phone was the President of the United States, Bill Clinton. And, and, he hands the phone to me and says, the president wants to talk to you. I said, what? <laughs> so I take the phone. I said, yes, sir. And he says, what's your name? I said, Sean Knickerbocker. He goes, is that a real name? Did <laughs> That's what not. he said. And I said, yeah, it is. He said, you're flying this helicopter. I want you to make sure nothing happens to this guy. I said, okay. And that was it. So we take off. We come down the, the Hudson River at 50 feet. And we'll come around Staten Island and come in. As we came into the Wall Street helipad, there was uh, thousands of people, helicopters everywhere, newspapers. So we land. But just before we're making the turn around Staten Island, uh, Brian Seaman, I think was his name, he was the chief uh, deputy with us, he said, you know, you can solve this whole problem by just putting this helicopter in the water. We all get out and let that guy drown. I said, yeah, but that wouldn't be right. That would be right. That's a so, Boy Scout model. That wouldn't be right. Right, it wouldn't be right. So we come in, land, and all that, and then had the opportunity to meet, uh, to meet the, the, chief, uh, the chief marshal for the, the District of New York. Forty-some-odd years he's been. He's, he's, like, been through four presidents and got a lot of nice cups right, and right. stuff like that. So, <laughs> so that was one of the highlights, and there was a lot of many other highlights, and then... Uh, and, and somewhere in there in 1984, I become a pilot examiner, and I've been an examiner ever since. And, and then uh, retired from customs. My last five years, I flew the P-3 and the AWACS wow. P-3 and did a lot of neat stuff. We had a lot of uh, stuff in Central America we did. And then uh, between that time and being a pilot examiner in the 90s, I was an expert witness for the Department of Justice, the Admiralty Litigation Branch, 
protecting the government in aviation lawsuits, you know, wow. ATC. Right. And then got out of that. Uh, when I retired, I now can work for plaintiff or other people other than Department of Justice people because I was retired. And uh, did a real big case, one big case. Uh, I don't know if people are familiar with Bobby Allison, the NASCAR guy. Yeah. Well, his son, Davy Allison, was killed in a helicopter, an MD-500 helicopter at Talladega Speedway in the 90s. And uh, I was the expert witness for Boeing, or McDonnell Douglas helicopter back then. I'm sorry. Really? Uh, and we did that. We prevailed. They wanted to sue Bo uh, McDonnell Douglas for like $28 million, but uh, they only got about a million dollars. And we did stuff like that, and, you know, and then... Been flying gliders for thirty some odd years as well, and and uh, it's it's just been a phenomenal career. And got in flying B-17s with the EAA and also the uh, Geneseo Warbird Museum, flying the Memphis Bell, the movie airplane, and uh, you know, and night vision goggles and aviation. And then in '07, I went to work for Continental, uh, flying 737s. That that was too much work. <laughs> I was supposed to be a retirement job, but at 55, I was working 24 to 27 days a month. I don't have time to do anything, so right. that's out. That's out, okay. <laughs> so I said, sorry, guys, uh, I can't do that. So Now, I, I, I want to interrupt you. I understand that there is a Netflix series. After all you've told me, I get it. I understand. A Netflix series in the works and a book. Can you talk a little bit? Yeah. I don't know if you can talk about those, but oh. can you? Well, yeah, sort of. I, uh, I'm, I'm writing a book. It, this is really hard because it, I've, I've been working on it for about a year and a half. I only got four chapters done. And, and I'm trying to put things together. I got a lot of pictures, a lot of articles, and trying to uh, put it in some sort of thing. And then okay. I was at my high school reunion in November, 50th high school reunion. And one of the guys uh, that I went to high school with is, uh, is bigger than all this. Okay. And I, he heard me talking, and he pulled me aside. I need to talk to you. So it's not your typical series. It's, you know, it's, uh, he thinks we have about five years. A series, a five-year series. Um, for Netflix. For Netflix, possibility. They have some connections. There's a big protocol and big levels you have to go through. Okay. And uh, But they jump about eight levels and go right to CAA or CFAA. One of the, uh, one of the uh, and I can't remember the name of it, obviously. I didn't get a college degree. So. <laughs> uh, and so that's, that's where that is. So we're working on that. So That's we're going to see, we'll see how this works. it's about your life. It's about it's me, all yeah. all your experience about you. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, you know, I've been in trial with F. Lee Bailey, and, and I, I have to tell you this one. This was good. This was uh, the, the Rodney Matthews case in which F. Lee Bailey got disbarred in Florida for this case. But uh, we were at, uh, down in Miami, well, for, yeah, Miami, the uh, South District of uh, f uh, Florida for the U.S. You know, Department of Justice. Okay. And I'm on the stand testifying, and F. Lee Bailey basically says, how do you detect drug smugglers? Well, that's a, that's a technical uh, uh, investigation technique, and hopefully I was hoping the U.S. attorney would object to the question. Well, he kept on asking, and I said, well, uh, you know, we have methods, and what are those methods? And I said, well, and then I said, well, if you read Aviation, Space, and Technology, it explains it all in that. And he threw his books down and said, Your Honor, I want to declare Mr. Knickerbocker as a hostile witness. Hostile witness, huh? So then at that time, I reach in my coat and I pull this little piece of paper out that back when I was a park ranger and worked in Asheville with the Blue Ridge Parkway, I dealt with the U.S. magistrate in a lot of cases. 
And he always told, told me, always write a note when you're testifying. And basically he says, don't let the, and there was some other words in there. Piss, uh, right, we can get we, you. No, yeah, we, yeah. It, it's yeah. alive. So, we don't so, want to say those words. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I, so I read that and then I stuck it back in there. And then F. Lee Bailey goes, Your Honor, Mr. Nickerbox, you're referring to notes. I don't know what those notes are. I'd like to see them. And the judge looks at me and she says, uh, Mr. Nickerbocker, what? I said, well, it's just a reminder note. May I see it, please? And I said, well, okay. So I handed it to her. She opened it up and she goes, uh, Mr. Bailey, I don't think you need to see this. So he demanded. So he walks up. She shows it to him. He smiles, looks at me and winks and goes back. And then. I finished out. They, they evacuated the, the, the courtroom, the, uh, everybody, uh, other than the jury, and I answered the question. So the next morning, I'm in the uh, downstairs going to get a cup of coffee because the trial's still going on. And all of a sudden, I get pushed in the back, and I turn around. It's F. Lee Bailey. And he goes, I said, well, good morning. He says, good morning. He says, uh, pretty sharp cookie. I said, what do you mean? He says, who told you that? And I explained where that story came right. from. And I said, may I ask you something? And he goes, what? I said, when the case is all against you, the evidence is all against you, why are you going through all this? He says, i got to muddy the water and get everybody confused. And that's what they do, I guess. So that Goodness was... Goodness gracious. I have to tell you, Sean, Tom Cruise is nothing on you. Oh, Mission God. impossible. I just want you to know that. I don't know if I can say that on Florida Aviation Network, but I'm going to say that because you are, I could sit here. I know all of us. You absolutely have the entire studio utterly spellbound oh. with, with this. Let me ask you, I know that we, I want to keep you here for another two hours, but oh. I know you've got things that you need to do today, and we do need to re- we do need to let you go, but you've got to promise to come back. Oh, I Please will. Please come back, and will you Definitely. tell us more stories? Yeah. Um, tell us, we always look to inspire the next generation of aviators, and I know that prior, you were saying that you just did check rides for three students here at the Central Florida Aerospace Academy. That is right. That are 14 years mm-hmm. old, not even old enough to drive a car. And yet, you've done their check rides, and well, they're flying gliders. Well, they were they became sixteen. They became sixteen. 16 okay. And a glider, you can uh, solo at fourteen. Solo and, at four, okay. And certification at sixteen, whereas okay. airplane solo at sixteen, certification seventeen. Okay. So I had three young men, uh, Kobe, Nolan, and I can't remember the other gentleman, but they came up and. Uh, uh, Jan Dreesen up at Seminole Lake, they have a contract up there where they do all the training, and then at the end, I give them their check rides. And I'll tell you, these kids have everything going for them if they stay right on being aviation. And flying gliders is the best way you can deter- you can make yourself so proficient and so good. You stick know, and rudder, stick and rudder. Stick you and know, rudder fly. There's two major air carrier accidents that occurred, and they were both glider pilots, and all of them people survived. That was Scully yep. and the Airbus that ditched in the Hudson. Glider yep. pilot from the Air Force Academy. And there's one people don't know about. It's called the Gimli Glider. It was a Boeing 767, ran out of gas in Canada, Air Canada, and he put it on a 5,200-foot gra- uh, uh, drag strip. And it was because of the training as a glider. glider he knew pilot. what to do. He yeah. knew the stick and rudder. Yeah, it is. It is phenomenal. But we need young pilots. We need pilots to come on. Uh, and we need aviators. We don't need pilots. We need aviators. And aviators are people that enjoy Say, aviation. what's the difference? Tell us the difference. Well, a pilot takes off, push buttons, lands, and then goes home. An aviator takes off, push buttons, and 
lands, and then he goes fly a Stearman or a Cub, or he's involved in something, goes out and races gliders, something like that. So it's a diversification. Keeps flying. It's a diversification, yep. just like everything else in life. Yeah, yeah. So. What, what piece of, for the young people that are out there that are interested in aviation, because there's so much there, um, if you could give them, you've had such an extraordinary background. Um, what's one piece of advice you would give them? Keep your nose to the grindstone. Always know who you're hanging out with, especially the young. Okay. And uh, uh, make yourself the best you can be by knowledge. Uh, knowledge is it. Study the books. Study the books. Know your aircraft. Know the procedures. You know, okay. know your checklist. And, uh, and everything else will come. That is awesome. Yeah. Sean, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. I, I feel like I seriously, I feel like I have just interviewed Tom Cruise, oh, no. Mission Impossible, the no. stories you've had, the entire studio spellbound. I know um, for a fact that our audience and our live studio audience, you told us stories I think some of us never knew of you. Yeah. So which is awesome. We can't wait to see the book. And when do you think that's gonna be? Hard question to ask, okay. uh, I'm, uh, or answer, I should say. I, it's, it's just a, a matter of time. Uh, I had to do a timeline okay. to the producer because okay. the book's not done. And okay. I had to do a timeline, but under the, each timeline is numerous, <laughs> numerous uh, engagements with everything. Okay. You know, with customs, you know, work for customs, but you just work for customs, uh, chase drug smugglers, and there's all kinds of stuff, you <laughs> just, know. Just little you know? Yeah. And there's bad stuff in there, too, you know. I landed at Blackhawk Hard, knocked the wheel off, spun it around, you know. But uh, they flew it out the next day. Okay, okay. Yes. So, so, okay, so we're looking forward to that. Then we've got the Netflix series. Yeah, maybe. That maybe, that we're hopefully going to see. And you promised to come back to the Florida Aviation Network and see us which is awesome. Yeah, I will. Sean, it has been truly my honor and a pleasure to meet you. And thank you for being an inspiration to me oh, no as problem. a teacher, as, as a hostess. Thank you for being an inspiration to my own children. Very good. So I'm going to make them watch this. Oh. And um, thank you for the stories and thank you for making us laugh. Oh, well. And just <laughs> being so authentic and genuine and, and just being fantastic. I, I just, there's no words. There's just no words. This is by far awesome. So with that, I know we've got to close out. We're going to go ahead. We're going to let you get back to it. If people want to see you, Sean, where can they see you today? Where can they, can they come up and see you? I yeah. know that you're here in the ground. Uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be around, but I live at Seminole Lake Glider Port. Okay. And I live on the east side and a middle house on the east side with a big 9,000 square foot hangar and got some cool things in there. Got some and, toys? Yeah, I got a Stearman, a seaplane, and uh, going to have a nice Arcus glider uh, there in a month or so. So cool. And uh, the young men and women from the ACE and uh, the yes. Lakeland Aero Club yes. is going to be able to get some time in that thing and uh, make some uh, good glider pilots too. Thank you for sharing your passion oh. for aviation. We appreciate you. All right. With that, Sean, thank you. I, my name is Lori Bradner. I'm your hostess with the Florida Aviation Network, where we are broadcasting live and in the clear from sun and fun at our remote location at Central Florida Aerospace Academy. See you here. We hope you've enjoyed today's Managing Safety, brought to you by the Florida Aviation Network an effort of the National Aviation Safety Foundation and a coalition of local, regional, and national aviation organizations and agencies. 
please visit our studio website to hear past programs.